Thank you, Lynn. Makes a big difference saying those things when your children are sitting in the room with you, so it's good. It's good to have Lynn's family, Lynn and Green's family here this morning joining us. Well, at the beginning of May, I preached a message uh, on mothers for Mother's Day. I called it Moms as Disciple Makers, and today I want to do the, the complimentary message on the flip side of that as dads as disciple makers. I wanted to take an opportunity to match sort of what's on our calendar with what's, uh, what's going on in our church, uh, church life as uh, focused on making disciples and just take some time to talk about what role uh, parents play specifically in making disciples. Now, some things that I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this morning are, uh, are I shared at the, uh, at the sermon on moms, so I'm going to try to move over those pretty quickly. Um, mostly because time has moved on, but also because probably many of you were here for that and uh, don't need to hear an in-depth explanation again. I do want to give a little attention to it just so that uh, those of you that weren't here understand where I'm coming from. I made the proposition on that Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, moms as disciple makers, I made the proposition that to bring disciples into the kingdom of, of Jesus and to raise them up, to train them to be obedient to, uh, to Jesus takes Moms and dads. Now, it, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't, that doesn't mean it has to happen in a family structure. It just means it takes those kinds of people. The, the example that's laid out for us in moms and dads, it takes those people to bring, uh, bring disciples into the kingdom. And I, then I made the point that I think the first and most natural place we should look at making disciples is in the context of our families. That's where I want to begin. I want to relay the basis that I laid back in May and just remind us of why I think this is absolutely 100% appropriate for us to talk about dads as disciple makers, to recognize that, that when I look at a dad and what a dad is supposed to be and what I think the fathers are like in, in Scripture or what at least a biblical father should be is that it, should, it makes sense. It makes 100% sense to put those things together and say, well, that's the topic of discipleship. That's all it is. It's a topic of discipleship. I say that because all the way in the very beginning, when God made uh, man and woman, he made Adam and Eve, he brought them together. Of course, Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and it's for this reason a man leaves his father. We covered those things. Actually, we just covered them. Uh, we're right in that section in Ephesians. But uh, at the end of that, after that creation, God looks at them. Let me turn my clicker on. God looks at them and says, God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And when he says, be fruitful and multiply, what that's really saying is, make more of you, right? So God made all of, crea all of creation and all the creatures. He made them male and female, and what happens with them, they naturally procreate. So I don't think this is so much what he's talking about, because that's what naturally happens. I think he's implying or he's saying that when, when he created man in his image, right? That was the difference between us and the rest of God's creation. He created us in his image. So when he says, I want you to be fruitful and to multiply, he's saying, I want more image bearers. Can I translate that for you that way this morning? I want more image bearers. Now, of course, every one of us, when we're born... We bear the image of God because that's how we're created. But we know what the story's going to go. We know that sin comes in, destroys that. And so what we get actually are marred or twisted or perverted images of which we were created in. And what he's really saying, I think, is I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth as the, the proper image bearers. 
I know this because that's what a lot of scripture talks about. Again, same, these are the exact same opening verses I had back in May, so forgive me if it's uh, old hat to you. But when God came to the Israelites uh, through the prophet Malachi, for example, and he said, hey, I have a problem with what's happening in your marriages. He was addressing the dad specifically. He said, I have a problem with what's happening in your marriages. You husbands are not staying faithful to your wives that you were married to. And he said, don't you realize that my Holy Spirit was part of unifying you together? And then he asked this question. He says, what was that one God? What was the unity that God was seeking? What did he want out of those godly marriages, those unions that he was part of? What he was after was godly offspring. So again, we see God's heart and, and God's reminder to us that the first place we should look at when we're talking about discipling is with our own children, with our own families. It makes perfect sense, right? And yet sometimes, well, it's really hard, right? Because we live with our kids. We know what they're like. We see all their sinful tendencies. They bring out all of our sinful tendencies, don't they? And so we know it's a whole lot easier to go over here where people don't know me that well, and I don't quite frankly know them that well, and tell them about Jesus and help them to make a decision for Christ and teach them to obey, even sometimes in the church realm, than it is to go in my own home where they know all the stuff about me and I know all the stuff about them. And no matter how many times I tell myself I'm not going to lose my temper again, they know how to push that button, right? But God comes back and says, I want godly offspring. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. In fact, the verses we just covered in Ephesians where we're talking about husbands and wives, and I, I kind of like that God did it this way. I didn't plan it this way, but kind of like that God did it this way, that between Mother's Day and Father's Day, we had some specific messages on husbands and wives. I, just, I like that because it changes, it, it helps fill in or helps support all that. But in this text where, where um, where, where Paul is talking about what husbands and wives should be like. You remember this line. You know this line. We've been looking at it for the last couple of weeks. He says, well, really what I'm talking about is profound mystery, and it's about Christ and the church. And when I say that in the context of discipleship, I don't think there's anybody here this morning that would say, well, when Jesus starts working with the church, I mean, he's after, I don't know, he's after feeding the hungry, or he's after changing this about them. He's after, well, what is it, what, what's, what's Jesus after when he starts working the church? What does he really want? You tell me what he wants. What? He wants more disciples, right? Because that's what the commission is. Go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That is the work that Jesus and the church does. And, well, I guess if some of us don't agree with that, then, 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 then we need to change what we're doing in church. But every one of us should naturally know that when we start talking about Jesus and the church, that what the ultimate outcome of that is, is that Jesus, in working with the church, wants to bring about more disciples. He wants to bring more people in the kingdom. That's what he wants. So now when you say... When Paul ties that together and says, well, when I talk about Jesus in the church, that's really what I'm talking about. But at the same time, we, I mean, I'm talking about husbands and wives. It's no stretch. It should be just as given. It should be just as 100%, like, no, no doubt. Well, when God talks about husbands and wives, and he's talking about moms and dads, what he wants is he wants more disciples. He wants more image bearers. He wants them to be fruitful and multiply. So, dads, again, a month or so ago, I covered moms. Dads play a role in discipling. And my message today 
my prayer, my aim for today is just like it was on Mother's Day. And that is to be an encouragement to all of the dads that are here. It's to highlight and lift up the, the role of dad and the power that dad has and the, and the calling that dad is, 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 is asked to walk in. And to tell you that I think there are lots of fantastic dads here in this congregation that are taking their job seriously, their responsibilities seriously, and are walking out as best as they know how to to raise disciples of their children, out of their children. So back in May, the text I had was from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You can turn there again today. We're going to go to the, well, it's not the exact same text. It comes right on the heels of that. And I love how Paul did this. And I would, you know, I could ask silly questions like, I wonder if Paul was intentional or knew what he was doing. But that would be silly because the Holy Spirit wrote this. And of course, he's 100% intentional. He's 100% aware of what this is going to do, what this is going to look like. I'm going to clear the screen. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, when we did Mother's Day, we read the first nine verses. And of course, I was pointing specifically to how Paul refers to himself. He says, we're gentle among you like nursing mother taking care of her own children. Paul is talking about how when he came to Thessalonica the first time and he established a church and he says, I want to show you that I was like a mom among you. And I use that opportunity to talk about what moms do as disciple makers. Interestingly enough, we're going to come from the same passage. I'm going to start this morning in verse 9. And we're going to read through verse 12. So there's a one-verse overlap. We read verses 1 through 9 last time. We're going to read verses 9 through 12, and you'll, you'll, you'll know why here in just a little bit. But let, let, let's read what Paul said. He says, he's again reminding them of, what, of how he was among them when he came and planted uh, a church. He, he came and, and shared the gospel, and the, and the gospel took hold, and the church was, was formed. He says in verse 9, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. God, would you bless the reading of your word? Would you bless our understanding? That's really what we're asking. Would you bless our minds and our hearts to understand and receive what you have to say? May you be glorified, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. So in the same passage where Paul says, hey, when I came to you and I planted uh, the gospel seeds in, in your lives and, and, and I watched them bring forth fruit and I rejoiced at that, when I did that, I was like a mom among you. And in the same passage, he says, by the way, I was like a father, or like a dad among you too. So that's why we're going to talk about those verses today. And again, we're going to have a little bit of overlap. We didn't actually read this verse this morning, but I want to go through and talk about what dads do or how dads uh, disciple their children the role of discipleship that a dad has to do. And the first one has to be the same one because I believe it's true for both of them. I didn't read the verse. So I'm going to put it up here for you. It's actually back in verse 4. But I want you to know this, dads, this morning. Actually, we heard it already, a form of it, this, uh, it during the sharing time uh, this morning. or during. The, I think it's maybe Lynn might have made a reference to it. But in verse 4, he says, but just, this is how Paul saw himself, just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And my point of this is that dads have been entrusted with the gospel. I made the same point with moms, and it's true. Moms have been entrusted with the gospel, but so have dads. If you're a dad here, or if you play the role of a dad in anyone's life, that means 
by natural extension, I would say that means that God has entrusted you with his gospel. If I made my point correctly, although I made it rather quickly, but if I made my point uh, correctly, that we believe that, that, that dads is a, a serious role of deception. That's what God wants out of fathers. If I believe that, then we, I have to believe that I've been entrusted with the gospel because that's what makes disciples. I've been entrusted with the gospel with my children. And I think that's important to hear because I think there's lots and lots and lots of dads who feel inadequate or don't feel quite up to the task of being a dad. I know I was pretty self-assured, and we hear this, we say this line, sometimes we say it very jokingly, but it's really true, right? That I knew all about raising kids until I had my own. I had all the answers for raising children until I had my own. And something shifted when I first held my own children. And there's this like simultaneous feeling of pure joy and pure like sheer terror. I have this little like human being that I'm responsible for. And it scares the bejeebers out of me. I don't think that's a real English word, but that's what it does. But I want you to hear this morning, if you're a father that you've been entrusted with the gospel if God has chosen to give you children. And I don't want you to write that backwards so that if you don't have children, that means you're not qualified. That doesn't mean that at all. God is, I said this last time, I should say it again. God is, God is the one who chooses whether you will be blessed with children or not. I wish I could give them up to all of you. I know there's many of you that want them. Some of you that aren't able to have them. We were in that same boat first years of our marriage. It's very frustrating. It's very difficult. God chose to change our story. He doesn't always change that story. So my point isn't that, but my point is that if you do have children or if you play that role in someone's life, if you've had children, then that meant God entrusted you with the gospel. It really did. It means that God has asked you to be a bearer of the gospel, that you can speak to your children, not to please other men, but to please God. Now, I want to look at this list where he says we, would be, we behaved like fathers among you, and I want to pull out some things that I think are true about dads as disciple makers. This very first one, by the way, if you remember, and you may not remember because I don't know how long your memory goes back or how, how much these sermons make a mark, but this was the a point I made actually, exact same point about women, about moms. It's from the same verse, right? Verse 9. That's why there's an overlap in those verses because verse 9 says, you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we work night and day. And I went, I don't know how long I went on, I don't remember myself, but I went on about all the work that, we, that moms do in the home. And it's, there's lots of it. But by the same token, it's equally true. Because to be a parent is hard work no matter which one you are, mom or dad. Dads also are called to this labor and this toil. Look at the words Paul uses. It's like he uses several different words of this. He, I labored and I toiled and I worked. And I didn't just work part-time, I worked night and day. There's endless labor, just like it's true for moms, for dads, there's endless labor. You know that problem I solved, I thought I solved when I tried to take care of some character issue and I had to discipline my child, that what I thought I solved, guess what? Tomorrow, it's probably going to pop up again. Next week, there's a good chance it's going to pop up again. I have to continue working. And the job I go to, well, guess what? I have to go back to it tomorrow. Because if I stop, then what happens? Well, then my family no longer has income. So there's endless labor. Hey, newsflash. I said this probably back then. I don't know. But newsflash. To make a disciple takes a lot of hard work. It doesn't just happen in a short time. 
I don't know, I'm so glad that Josh walked up here this morning. I've been talking to Josh for the last couple of weeks, and uh, it, just, it just blesses me to no end. It knocks my socks off. I love watching. But Josh's own testimony, you just heard it this morning. And there's some of you here that I think probably just received. I don't know if you saw me, but I was a mess when Josh walked up here. Because I know how much I love and care for Josh, and I've prayed for Josh. Now, I can't claim even that I had endless labor in Josh's life, because honestly, I haven't talked to him very much in a couple of years before this. So I don't take any credit in this. I'm just telling you that it takes hard work and to raise your children and to definitely raise your children as disciples of Christ takes endless labor from mom and from dad. Dads are involved in the endless labor of raising children, of discipling them, of pouring into them, of, of seeking to shape their lives. Now, for this one, it takes on a different tone, though. The second point I want to make about dads is I think there's a dual focus there that provides a challenge that many dads have to rise up to. And I, again, I say many dads are. Notice what he says here. I didn't point this out with moms because I didn't think it applied quite as much. And call me sexist, call me not part of culture. I don't care what you call me. I, I, I think I'm being biblical here. But I didn't read the last part of that verse very, very clearly. I didn't, I didn't emphasize it. He says, we worked night and day so that we would not be a burden to you while we proclaim the gospel of God. So what Paul was saying is he says, when I came and I brought the gospel to you in Thessalonica, it wasn't like I came in and I said, my goal is to make believers out of you, although that was his goal. My goal is to make believers out of you and I'm gonna put all of my energy and focus there. I'm gonna preach to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shepherd you. I'm gonna correct you. I'm gonna do all kinds of church kinds of things, all kinds of biblical kinds of things, all kinds of Holy Spirit inspired things. And I'm hoping that someone in the kindness of their heart will come to me and help pay for my or give me food or give me shelter because I think that, by the way, that's exactly what the Bible says should happen, just so you know that. But Paul said, I determined not to do that. I did not want to be burdened to you. So he's actually talking about working night and day to earn his keep so that he cannot be a burden to them while he shares the gospel with them. Do you see how there's a dual focus? And dads are called to this dual focus. Paul reflected it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, if you are married and if you have children, now suddenly you have to split your focus a bit because you have, you have people you have to take care of. You have to provide for them. You, you, you have to be concerned, and it sounds unbiblical maybe to say, but Paul said it. This is my, these are his words. You have to be concerned with some worldly things. You can't just be, he said, a, this is why Paul says, if you're single, you can give yourself fully to the Lord. But when you get married, now you have, to, you, ha you have something you got to take care of. And dads play this dual focus role. They have, to, they have to work to provide and still have to be aware that their primary focus is to make disciples of these little children they're providing for. It's a tough job. It pulls you. I'm guessing if I would ask most dads here this morning, you would feel that pull, that that. that well, I have to do this, but, I, but if I do this, and you just heard Lynn say, don't let life pass you by. Don't be so worried about this to, to take care of this. But it would be equally wrong, by the way, for me to stand here this morning and say, your job is to raise disciples, so quit your job. Don't, don't go work anymore. Spend all of your time in your home and discipling your children. I don't think that would be biblical either. I don't think that's what the God asks of us either. So dads, by necessity, play this incredible dual-focused role where they have to work out that tension. They have to figure out where that divide is. They have to be concerned about not being a burden to their family and at the same time speaking the gospel to them. 
I don't know, there's probably many other dads that would disagree with me, but I need a lot of help in figuring that out. I need a lot of help in figuring out where, the, where, that, where that line is. I want to bring this next one to you because I think this is a huge one. I couldn't think of some fancy word or some church kind of word or some, I don't know, good preacher word, so I just put the word pointer. Dads exist, I don't know if dads are okay with this, but dads exist as a placeholder. The biblical word is a type, but as a placeholder for who God is. Which means what dads do is point their children to Jesus. They point their children to God. I know you've probably heard this before, so it's not news to you. But there's a really, really good chance here today, dads, there's a really good chance that your children's idea of what God is like is based upon you. Which, again, is the same feeling of looking at a little baby and say, that's really cool, but that's also very terrifying. Right? I suspect it's, it's chiefly why there's such an incredible war going on by Satan against dads and making them be absent and making them just be checked out and making them do all kinds of other things that, that just fulfill the flesh of their lust because, the lust of the flesh, I said that backwards, sorry, the lust of the flesh because that's destroying the image of God that children are holding. So dads as disciple makers exist as pointers. Now it's really, I, I said this with the moms, and so many of the things, isn't it, these are broad brush strokes, and many of these things are true for both, and, and they're true in some sense for all of us, so I want to be careful. I say, but there's something specific, again, go back to the message we've been having about, uh, from Ephesians, about husbands and wives, and who the husband is supposed to represent, and who the wife is supposed to represent. It's the same thing. So, so dads, fathers, are there to represent Jesus. So have this incredible opportunity. Dads, we have this incredible opportunity to show in flesh to our children what Jesus is like. Whew. It feels a little bit like one of those situations back in Ephesians where I talk about how high the bar is, right? But it was no less for moms. Dads point their children I would suggest to us, by the way, that this happens whether you are intentional about it or not. So it's not like you can choose and say, well, since I might be a bad example of who God is, I just won't say anything about that, hey, what I do reminds you of God, or that I just won't, I just won't point, I just won't make, I won't make no reference about, because it's going to happen. So the response, I think, is we have this opportunity to be proactive and intentional about pointing to Jesus, the things that are, that are, that are in us, and, and, and being, playing the role of the Father. There's like this handoff is going to happen at some point. You heard from Lynn this morning when that handoff, when, when they saw the handoff uh, should happen for their children, but there's a handoff that happens at some point. I'm responsible for my children and raising them and being God to them at some point, and we talk, we do, we talk to our children about this all the time. Almost every issue of obedience I shouldn't say every because I, I know I miss them sometimes. But I try to almost every issue of obedience that comes up in our household that I'm addressing, I make clear to my children that it's an issue of obedience with me right now, but what it's really about is getting them to be able to be obedient to their father in heaven. Because it's not about me. It's like some point there's a handoff that's going to happen, right? Where I, I'm responsible and it's my authority and I'm raising them as a dad, but at some point it's going to shift over and they're now responsible to their heavenly father. And if I haven't pointed like I should, they will be very ill-prepared for that, 
right? That's how it works. Again, whether we are conscious about it or not. I want to get to these three words because uh, in verse 11 and 12 there, we, when he's specifically talking about being a father, he actually uses three words. I love them. I, I, I love every one of them. I'm not going to be able to do them justice in the, in the time we have this morning. I, I, if you're a father here this morning, I, I, I just encourage us, exhort, it's funny, it's one of the words. I exhort you, it's another one of the words, to spend time with them and, uh, and analyze this incredible gift and opportunity we have as dads to disciple our children using these concepts or these words. So the first thing is, as a father among you, I exhorted every one of you. I exhorted you. Now, the Greek word for exhort is one that you're probably familiar with because we hear it a lot in the church. It's parakaleho, parakaleho, to call near or to come alongside. That's what it means. It means to, to kaleho is to call and para is beside. So, so it's to call someone beside you. It's, a, it's an incredible picture, by the way, of being a father. It really is. It's the dad who is working on something and tell, calling his son and saying, hey, come over here. Help me out with this, right? Here's a little shovel for you while I'm big, doing big shovel. Or here's a little hammer for you while I've got a big hammer. Or here's, I, pick your activity, whatever, whatever you do as a dad. Come alongside. But of course, it's a very spiritual term because to exhort is to call alongside me where I'm at. Here, Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ. But honestly, it's to call people near to God. Now, this is a very direct Holy Spirit kind of word. In fact, if you look in the New Testament at the, what the Holy Spirit is called, he's called the paraclete. The paraclete, which is the one who parakalehos, the one who calls near. It is the whole, so if you think of what should I be doing as a dad, well, it's to act like the Holy Spirit because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he's called. He calls us near to God. He's constantly beckoning us to come to the throne of grace and to come to God and to come to Jesus. Uh, just as Jesus' word said, right? Come to me if you labor, you're weary, you're burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. All those things. That's what the paraclete does. That's what it means to paracleho. So dads have this incredible uh, opportunity. It's what they're to do in discipling is to constantly call their children near to Jesus. Constantly call their children. Now, the next word, actually, I could have just put them together. It's the word encourage. Again, you don't need to know the Greek words, but the Greek word is paramuthehamai. It's a long word. Notice the critical piece is the very first phrase. The very first word is the exact same word. So both of these have to do with side by side. And again, I love that. It's, no, it's, it, it's exactly why when dad is doing something, the little kids come over or the big kids come over and say, hey, dad, what you working on? What you doing? To our shame, how many times as dads do we say, hey, I'm busy. Leave me alone right now. Right, let, me, let me get, let me. because it's exactly what these words are telling us to do. We exhort and we encourage. Both of them have to do with beside. That's what the word P-A-R-A at the beginning of that. Both have to do with beside. That you call your children near and you console them. You bring them next to you and you encourage them. Now these again, last time I talked about this, these are verbal kinds of words, right? Exhortation and encouragement is a verbal activity. It's probably also why, as dads, many of us, I'll just speak for myself, struggle with being critical because it's the opposite of what these words are asking us to be with our children. It's a lot easier to criticize them and find everything they're doing wrong instead of exhorting and encouraging them about what's going, that's maybe good in their life. Speaking words of blessing. I really like this word. 
I read this when I was uh, getting ready to preach and I was excited about this. I thought, this, this is the role of dads. It fits what I love. Exhort and encourage and charge. You, you know, if, if when you read that, you think of the word charge. Like, what, is that, what, is that, what does that bring to mind to you? What does the word charge mean? Not with a credit card. To mandate what? To go boldly forward. Okay, that, that's like the action charge. What, if, if you mean it in a verbal context, that's, I think that's what you, to, to charge someone is I charge you, think of Paul and Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God to fulfill your calling. That's my paraphrase. It's to charge. And I love this. Now, this is the role that dads play, but actually I had a little bit of a shock. I just wanted you to know this morning, and I, I, I wish I'd have maybe more time to develop this with you because I, mean, I don't have to develop it, actually. I think it speaks for itself. I had a little bit of a shock because when I was looking, what I always do, I looked at all the Greek words to see what words were actually being spoken. The word that's being used here, and I'm a little, I, I'm not, I think I understand why the ESV translated this way. Actually, most translations do. But you know what the actual word that's used there is? It's, Martyreho. Do you know what that word is? Martyreho means to be a witness. It's where we get the word martyr from. It's to be a witness or to demonstrate something, like tangibly demonstrate it. So what began for me is sort of this, my job is to charge my children and to exhort them and to tell them how they should like to shape their lives actually turns out that I am to exhort them, which is to call them back when they're not what they're supposed to be, right? There's a room for discipline. Those are words of discipline. And to encourage them, which, by the way, encouragement is also discipline. Discipline is training. And you can do a lot with positive reinforcement and training. And then it is to say, to demonstrate or to be a witness of them of what it means to walk worthy in a manner worthy of God. Whew. See, now it makes a whole lot more sense why Paul says in verse 10, you know, you were witnesses, just like God was, how holy and righteous and blameless our conduct was towards you. Because I felt like, this is me speaking for Paul, I felt like when I did that among you, that's what was going to make you a disciple. And dads, it's no different for us. We exhort we call near. We say, that's not the right way. Let's do it this way. That, 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 let's, let's think about doing it differently the next time. We encourage. I'm sorry that didn't work out, but, but let, me, let, let, me, let me lift you up here. We, we console. We say, I'm sorry it worked out that way, and, and I wish it wasn't like that. We, we apologize. Lynn, thanks for bringing that in. We, we say when we're, we do all those things, but we don't do it from an empty perspective of this is what I'm telling you to do. We simply are saying, this is what I do. This is where I put myself is next to Jesus. This is where I go for consolement and consoling and for encouragement. I go to Jesus. So when I'm charging you, all I'm doing is I'm taking you with me. I'm being a witness to you. I'm willing to lay down my own desires so that I might work in, walk in a manner worthy of God because he's calling me into his kingdom and his glory, not my kingdom and my glory. And that somehow feels to me like exactly where God would take us, doesn't it? That the singularly most effective way to make disciples is to be one. Right? As we think about the disciple-making process, which you've been rushing up to over and over again this year, if dads are disciple-makers, it has to begin with dads being disciples, being a disciple themselves. 
being a witness, being a, being a, a testimony of what it means to follow Jesus. And then being conscious about making the disciples and teaching them. That's the exhortation work, the encouraging work. Making them, bringing them in the kingdom, and making them. I'm going to close this morning with these words from First Chronicles. Go back to the Old Testament. David's words to Solomon. And I hear the words of a dad to his son. And I think they would be words well spoken or adopted by dads here among us. To see the difference that we can make. To see what we're called to as dads. David looks at his son and says, And you, Solomon, my son, know God, the God of your father, and serve him with your whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understanding and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. There's a whole lot of the words we just talked about, about dads as disciple makers, wrapped up in that phrase right there. To exhort and to encourage and to... Uh, guide them to be a testimony himself, to be a witness himself, to charge his son, to say, you too should know the God of your father, not just to, their son, to our sons, but to our daughters, to our children. You too know this God that your mom and I are serving. Serve him willingly with your whole heart, with your mind that's, that's engaged and willing. For the Lord searches hearts. He's gonna know whether, you are, whether, you, whether you're faking it or whether you're actually in. Just like he does for me. He knows when I'm faking it or whether I'm actually in. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off. Dads, thank you for being dads. And I can say with great confidence this morning, to the congregation that I am privileged to preach to week in and week out. I know, because I've talked to many of you, I know that you have intention to do what Paul says, to behave as a father with your children, to work, to toil, to labor, to provide, to not neglect the seeds of the gospel that you've been entrusted with and share them, to exhort and encourage your children. And to be a testimony to them. And I can tell you you're doing it. And with God's grace, we'll continue to do it. Pray with me if you would. Father, thank you so much for the fathers that are here in this church. And thank you for the, even the, as we say it this way, though we fall so far short of it, for the, for the pattern that you've laid out for us. God, this is what you do with us. You don't leave us. You don't, you don't uh, give up on us. Your mercies are new every morning. You're always there welcoming us back. You exhort us. You encourage us. You work tirelessly. You send the Holy Spirit. You, uh, uh, you, you, you are continually just representing uh, who you are to us, inviting us to come back, inviting us to come back. And then, of course, you demonstrated, uh, of all things, you demonstrated to us exactly what you had in mind by sending Jesus Christ, who was the perfect sacrifice, who loved so much that he gave himself you laid down that pattern, not just for us men as husbands, but for us as fathers. And I thank you. Thank you. By your grace and to the glory of your name, may we represent you, Father, to our children. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.